there. This is Jim, and I was just thinking. Headed out to the end of the driveway here. We're going to be making a, uh, a big walk up the hill. Let's go start my watch. been using this quarter mile walk up the hill as a timed warm-up so it is it's officially part of my workout <coughs> pardon the cough that cold that I got right after bird in hand yeah still have it still have it as a lingering dry cough which hopefully will go away at some point. If it were COVID, which it wasn't, I could tell you from history, because I got COVID the year before, the day after Burton Hand, um, and I'm going to keep this dry cough for two months. So, that would mean sometime around the end of this month, October, or the beginning of next month. So, that's the case. I probably still have another <coughs> two, three weeks at least of this. It's usually fine during the day. It's just mornings and if I'm really exerting myself which I'm kind of doing, going up, up, up the big hill. So, it was a lovely sunny day this morning. Now it's mostly cloudy, bit of a breeze. So, I am in long sleeves for the first time this fall. Probably about 52 Fahrenheit. No idea what that is in Celsius, but we've got a 14 mile an hour breeze, so it's probably knocking it down into the uh, upper 40s for a uh, bit of a wind chill. So. And 40s is where I come and break out the long sleeves. If it were 50 sunny and no wind, I'd still be in short sleeves. But once we start getting into the 40s, that's where I, uh, I change gears. Especially if it's windy. All right.
get our gym boss set up. Uh, that's what I want. Put her back on the hip. And ready, set, let's do something. Alright. So, today's gonna be a distance run. Now, of course, nothing close to what I did for Birdman. I did training runs all the way up to 15 miles for that. But today we're going to go for five. Or whatever equivalent that is in kilometers. Which I will be able to tell you because I've switched everything over on my fitness watches to metric. Why did I do that? Well, the next race I have on the on the docket, in fact, the only race I have on the docket for the rest of 2023 is uh, the Savannah Bridge Run. And that is a 15K, so I figure since I'm doing a metric run, it makes sense to do my training in metric so I can get a, a good idea about where I am on race day. So, you know, I find out that I'm very comfortable. We've got a bit of a breeze coming at us. This is why I have the fancy recorder. This would totally overdrive the cell phone mic. But, uh, you know, if I find that I'm comfy at, uh, say, uh, seven minutes per kilometer, well, all I need to do is multiply seven by 15. I have an expected finish time. I believe I gave them an expected finish time of under an hour and a half, so under 90 minutes. So, <clears throat> which I think is uh, is fair. That's uh, three 30-minute 5Ks how that adds up and uh, I'd like to actually be somewhere around 28 minutes per 5k obviously if I can be faster I'd like to be but I think a achievable goal would be 28 minutes per 5k so Take your 90 minutes, subtract six, two for each 5K, and it gives you a, uh, a 126 finish, which would not be my fastest 15K, but it would be respectable based on what I've done. 
fastest for me is one, two, three, two, three. <clears throat> that is an eight fifty-nine pace for the model. So I did that back in two thousand and nine. Vic in New York for the boiler maker. And I was able to do that because the boiler maker, which is second week in July, which is normally hot, wasn't. Counting out the beeps, I'm doing a 60-30. My training plan now is heart rate. So that means heart rate when I focus on. And so I'm going out for a run. I'm going out for a run within a range for a particular heart rate. Since this is a long run, I really don't want to see a heart rate above 135. This should be zone two for me. I'm uh, not officially doing that just yet. Because we have a uh, a challenge at work on our our health app called Healthy at Hopkins, and uh, basically you get points for doing healthy things. You get enough points, sixty thousand of them. You get a nice little Christmas bonus of a thousand smackaroos before taxes, so 600 and probably 58 smackaroos after Uncle Sam and Uncle P.A. take their cut. We'll 1% of that also to Uncle York County. But, you know what? Free money for doing stuff I would do anyway. Still a good deal. So, even if I end up only keeping about 55% of it. So. What does that have to do with not doing heart rate training. Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. So, the only watch I have that syncs to this uh, website, app, whatever it is, is my Garmin, which you know, if you've been a faithful listener, that um, the heart rate that comes off my Phoenix 5 is garbage. So, it's 
it's not accurate. And I don't know what's going on with the chest strap. That stopped working. And it's not the battery. Change that. Just doesn't want to sink to the watch anymore. And it's a Garmin chest strap. Garmin watch. So, anyway. If I wear this watch, my steps, my exercise, my sleep gets automatically uploaded. <clears throat> and uh, busy roads today. Um, and it's Sunday. So, We're in this thing called race the globe or something like that, like 25 days. And it counts all your steps. And if your team makes it all the way to the end, everybody in your team gets 7,000 points. Now, normally, I hit my 60,000 points sometime around the third week of August. But this April, I switched over to a Koros watch for running, which I love. Unfortunately, that does not sync to healthy at Hopkins. And it's not a Hopkins thing, it's something they bought a license to uh, have as a benefit there are a lot of companies using this system so it's not native to Hopkins but anyway but you know you got a Garmin you got a Fitbit you got an Apple watch you're golden once you start getting away from those um, becomes a bit more dicey um, you can get it through your phone if you want to bring your phone with you everywhere to count steps that would work um, I don't do that so so from April until when end of September I was having to manually enter steps there's another problem. If you're manually entering steps, it will only accept 30,000 steps a day. So, yeah, you go and you do a marathon, and you do, you know, 48,000 to 52,000 steps that day with the race and all the walking before and afterwards. Well, you only get credit for the first 30,000 it will let you manually enter a number that big. I assume they're thinking that's because you're cheating. Now, of course, if it comes in off the watch, well, then it's verified, and they'll take it. So, since I'm one of, what, six people on my team, I want to make sure that my team gets all the points that, uh, 
that they can get. So I'm wearing my my Garmin watch until we cross the finish line of this thing and everyone gets their 77,000 points. And then this thing's coming off. And the... Uh, Barky dog. And the, uh, the chorus is going back on. And hopefully by that point, corals will have more of their arm heart rate straps back in stock. I'm, I'm convinced that they only had three for their initial release, one for each color. My buddy Kevin got one of them. I no sooner saw the, the message from Garmin, hey, we've got a heart rate monitor now. And I went, great. What's the price? Works for me. I want a heart rate monitor. Other than the wrist, although the wrist works fine. Um, but I'm a data nerd. If I can get more accurate, I would like more accurate. Um, and so I went to go order one, and they said, sorry, we're sold out. But you can go on a waiting list, which I've been, for two months. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, not a good rollout there, uh, Koros. You should actually have some supply before you try and create a demand. It is the one thing that the Koros watch is missing, and that is a native heart rate monitor. And the fact that this thing basically slips over your bicep, rather than going across your chest, and giving you that disconcerting feeling, as it feels like it's sliding down your chest as you run, even if it isn't, right? Much better. So, anyway. That'll be the plan. So hopefully by, by the end of this month, when that, uh, uh, challenge is over, I'll be able to throw on my chorus and an armband heart rate monitor. And then we'll 100% be in on heart rate training. But you are my heart rate monitor today. We are doing the talk test. So if I can talk while I'm running without being too crazy out of breath, then this is zone two today. What does that mean? This is zone two today. Well, that's why I've swapped over to heart rate training. Of course, many of you know, I've been a big fan of run walk. In fact, all of my marathon training has used run walk to some extent. 
I've done customized training uh, four times now. Just got to go. My walk break anyway, so. Car backing out of a driveway, so. I have less mass. So I figure, you know what? I'll let you go first. So, anyway. As I was saying, done customize four times. And before I say anything else, customize is a great way to go, all right? If you already are using run walk, customize is a great way to go. You, uh, you have a physical coach you can reach out to if you need your plan tweaked. You have somebody who's actually creating a plan based on data you send him. So it's not cookie cutter, right? But there is an awful lot of similarity from plan to plan, you know? You gotta do drill runs. You're gonna do cadence drills. You're gonna do acceleration gliders. You're gonna do hill repeats, even if you live in Florida and you don't have hills. And you'll do bridge repeats, right? Um, you're gonna do long runs. You're gonna do tempo runs. Depending upon what you're training for, you're going to do some sort of repeat, mile repeat, half mile repeat, and uh, you're going to have a little bit of base work, right? And if you're a standard customized person, you're going to run three or three or four days a week, right? I'm sure there are people who run more. I don't think there's anybody who runs less. I think they would probably poo-poo the idea of running twice a week. Unless there was a medical condition. In which case, you're probably not running at all. You're probably doing more of a a, uh, a walk-run in that case. What my buddy likes to call gwinning. So... So anyway, so it's a good program. Um, I have just found, no matter how close I stick to the training, and it's important that you do that because you know if you're not if you're not doing the actual training, you can't blame the training plan. But no matter how close I stick to it, um, I've just never found that it ever got me to my time goal. So, it's always when I would shift and do, I guess you would call it more um, common training, more straight running than run walking, uh, more running in general during the week, and 
building up mileage into like the oh, the upper 40s and 50s for weekly runs that that's where I've actually picked up the endurance and thus the speed um, I get the idea certainly from a mental point of view why uh, Jeff and customized training have you do these very very long long runs in training obviously if you can run that distance of your race plus 30% you can run the distance on race day right if you go in to race day knowing you can finish well that's one gremlin that's off your back already I get it not a bad plan of course the purpose of that is to gain you endurance safely and that's the big caveat or guiding principle probably better stated guiding principle with anything Galloway is safety purpose of run walk is to help you recover faster make it less likely you're going to get injured so if that's the most important thing then great but again if you're holding some stuff back in order to be safe you're doing that at the expense of putting yourself out there and pushing the boundaries a bit I'm not saying smash them to bits light them on fire and watch them burn but there is something to uh, you know Oh, repetitious fatigue, I suppose, right? Get your body used to day after day after day of doing something, and it will naturally adapt to that motion, even though you might be able to get there a bit slower less of a chance of an injury and I'll give you an example it's not running that's one that my my wife laments so hang on we're going to be the good steward here and get this branch off the road it's not getting caught under somebody's car <clears throat> breeze from the south Anyway, and there's my walk. So, prior to us having a hydrant back at our barn, we came to giving our horses water. I had to go and take two, uh, or either five or six 
gallon buckets. I think they might be six gallon buckets. I'm not sure, but they're they're big. Large buckets, fill them up full of water. Walk them through my our basement because we go into our laundry room to fill them up. And then from my garage door, carry them to 70 feet or so, maybe even 100 feet, back to the barn, pick them up one by one, two hands, basically doing a, uh, a squat, and then bring them up over my head, over the side of the... Uh, the stall, and then hook them to the clip on the other side. It was an easy way to do that without having to open up the gate to the stall and walk in and close the gate so the horse doesn't run out, right? Well, you do that for a couple months, and uh, you build some uh, some shoulders on you. And my wife was very, very happy with her husband having some rather muscular shoulders from doing all of that picking up from a squat raising it over my head putting it over walking it up and going back for the other horse and doing it again right? we do that twice a day I would do it twice a day once in the morning once in the evening Well, if I were going to the gym, I wouldn't do that workout seven days a week, all right? I would do it three days a week. And I'd give myself a day in between for that, my shoulders to rest, right? You see any of these guys that are doing the powerlifting, they don't do full body every day. You know, they come in and they got, you know, chest and triceps day. They got a leg day or back and biceps, right? Although I think it was chest, shoulder tries when I was a gym rat, but you get the idea. Certain muscle groups and then, you know, I was going six days a week back then. So chest, shoulder, tries. I do it on Monday. And then I wouldn't do it until Thursday. Right? And then start over again. Mondays and Thursdays, chest, shoulders, and tries. Right? Rather than certainly a bit of chest, a bit of triceps, a bit of biceps, definitely shoulders seven days a week. I never got injured. I definitely got sore. But after a couple of months, my body was just used to it. And then, of course, we got a uh, we got a hydrant and you might as well have pop my shoulders with a pin as if they were balloons and the air just let out because I didn't have to do that anymore right 
I could hook up a hose, walk to the bucket and go turn on the hose, turn on the hydrant, and just put the hose in the, in the bucket until they filled up, move it to the other bucket. A lot less, uh, a lot less shoulder work there. So, much more convenient for us. This also means my lovely wife can now do this. She was never able to lift these things over her head and put them in the in the stall. But same thing goes with running. You know, Rep- repetition builds endurance. So. When I was doing Hanson's, I was doing six days a week. Wednesdays were my only day off. <coughs> I don't know that I want to go that far, but I, I am convinced I'm going to do five. I'm going to bump it up to five. And I will probably take Wednesdays And Friday's off. Those will probably be my days off. So. <clears throat> I might switch it up. Might switch it up and make it Mondays and... Mondays and Thursdays. That's, that would give me... Tuesday and Wednesday in a row... And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I wouldn't have a stretch more than three days. So, yeah, all right. All right. Virtual friends, you've convinced me. Mondays and Thursdays it is. So. There we go. base training or training that requires me to do more running than I ever did with customized. I seem to be on my training goal, so that's what we're doing. Sure, I'll chat more about it. But again, the other nice thing with heart rate training, I was saying today was zone two for me. Today is that it's very present centered. You know, you have a have a traditional plan, and run walk is in that. Um, it's pace oriented, right? I mean, even like with the, the Magic Mile, what are you trying to accomplish with the Magic Mile? Trying to accomplish what pace you can do a mile at. Because you're going to use that metric to base all your other training off of. So all of your training is based off of that pace. Thus, it is pace-centric. Heart rate training is you-centric. 
So I'm going to go out and do a zone two run. And when I'm feeling fantastic, all right, and I'm in good shape, and because I'm normally bradycardic, even more so with exercise, um, that's low heart rate for you playing in Solvay. Um, I can hang out in zone two and be in the uh, mid to upper 120s for a heart rate. Really good shape. Could be around 123. I've done that before. I've done a zone two run. Zone three has me in the uh, mid 130s to the, uh, uh, I'll say the, to the mid 140s. Anything over that is zone five. All right. I can do it, but I'm not gonna be doing that for long. Because of course, you can get similar to a magic mile for heart rate just based off of your age. So, you take 220 and you subtract your age. Whatever that number is, that's your top heart rate. You should never, ever train above that. And again, it's eucentric. So as you get older, that top number is going to keep coming down, right? That's kind of like the built-in governor to keep you safe. So, now I've seen some additions to that that said, you know, if you've been training for six months or more, uh, you can add um, up to 10 points to that number, or for simpler math, just take 10 years off of you when you do the 220 minus your age, because uh, training does have something to do with how much of a load your heart can take. But anyway, so I'm in good shape, right? And I'm out for a zone two run. And so, you know, let's just say I'm like clipping along and my heart rate is 125, right? And that's my run for that day. Well, when I look at my pace, once the run's done, let's just say for argument's sake, and I come back and says I was doing nine and a half minute miles and holding a 125 heart rate. Not bad, right? I would definitely take that. But now, it's been a stressful week. I haven't slept really well. I'm either getting a cold or getting over a cold. And I'm doing this run today because I don't want to feel like crap for skipping. But I'm going out and I'm doing a zone two run. And so I do it again. And I do the same run, same distance, 
clipping along at 125 for a heart rate. When I finish and I look at my time, I find because I was tired, maybe getting ill, maybe getting over an illness, all right, definitely not in top shape. That same 125 heart rate translated into 11 minute miles, all right? From a heart rate standpoint, I did the same thing I wanted to do. I wanted to do zone two and I did zone two. But because of where I was physically at that point in time, that means I gotta do an 11 minute mile because I feel like crap today, all right? Whereas it's a gorgeous day, I feel fantastic. Same run, same heart rate, but now it's nine and a half minutes a mile, all right? Then you can throw in heat on there, right? You know, get that first hot day, and I wanna do a tempo run, all right? And I know tempo for me, we'll say is 140. That's where I want my heart rate to be. And so I do that, but I'm not as fast as I thought I was going to be. Why? Because I'm adjusting to the heat, all right? Whereas, flip it on its side, and now do this as a pace run, all right? So now I've done the magic mile, and I have a time goal for my, uh, for my tempo run. And let's just say that I need to be at, uh, say, eight minutes, all right, for my time goal, all right. Well, again, I'm taught, I don't feel good, it's been a stressful week, I didn't sleep very well. I go out and I try doing this workout at eight minutes, I'm gonna fail, all right. I'm not in the shape, I'm gonna come back and go, that was a crap workout. Because what I was focused on was hitting a time goal, all right? I was supposed to do eight minute miles and I didn't. And now I feel like garbage, all right? Same run. All I need to do is a 140 heart rate, all right? Who cares that because I feel like crap, I'm gonna hit a 140 heart rate and maybe be doing 10 minutes a mile, all right? That's where I am today. I still did a zone three workout on my heart, all right? The heart got the workout it was supposed to get. The rest of me is not ready for it, all right? So it kind of lets you isolate on your heart. And when the rest of the rest of your body is is caught up, well, your heart's already ready, right? And you haven't tried to go out and you know run too hard, you know. And that's where you end up getting injured. So <clears throat> I do think that done properly, heart rate training also allows for uh, some injury protection as well.
because you're only going to work as hard as you're you're able to on that day you know so there it is all right how are we doing So my, my crappy Garmin watch is saying I'm doing 151 for a heart rate. No way my heart rate's 151 and I'm talking to you. All right. But we're at 5.75 kilometers. And I am doing run around seven minutes per kilometer today. Anyway, so, there's my, my running plan. Run walk will still be a part of it. My plan is to do run walk for anything that, at least initially, is over five miles, well actually at five miles or more. Because for the long runs, unless it's a, uh, a uh, purposeful tempo long run, or long-ish run, purpose of a long run is to float along at zone two. So, and as you run further, there's more stress on your heart. Your heart rate over time will start to pop up. So, easy way to keep you in that zone two range, walk breaks. So, I will be using walk breaks as part of my strategy to maintain a heart rate that I want for the long runs. But, for the shorter runs, go back to uh, I'm gonna go back to straight running I found that I got an awful lot of bang for my buck even from just doing a three-mile run straight through and being able to keep my my arms swinging my hips moving, my feet moving for 30 plus minutes at a clip. So, definitely a busy road day here. What else is going on? Well, of course it's the weekend, it being Sunday. And uh, I will say our, my, my big project that we've been working on since January uh, is going over well. Um, I won't talk a lot about my job. Um, don't think most of my job is germane for, uh, for public consumption. But... This is innocuous enough, and it's good news, and that is, 
for our uh, our go live. So when the, you know, the project actually kicks off, we're actually using the uh, the software we just added, and we have a go live. Go lives come in the command center. Now, depending upon how busy you are, the command center is normally in person, which is more significant. Um, since COVID, but uh, we had our day one of Go Live last Thursday, and uh, near the end of the day, we have what's referred to as a top 10 call, where you go over the top 10 um, issues of that day, how are they going to get resolved? Are they resolved? Um, what other stuff do we need to resolve them? It's a problem-solving kind of a meeting. So day one for our go-live. And for our top 10 call, we only had three items. I can pretty much just drop the mic right there. Because you understand what that means. You have a top 10 call and managed to get through day one and only have three items. If they're of any concern, it's a pretty darn good day. A little busier day on day two. We managed six items, but uh, still, we have not had 10 items for any of our top 10 calls. We've got two more days, at least two more scheduled days of the command center, but I have a feeling that we'll have one day. We'll do it tomorrow. And if we, uh, we again have less than 10 items for a top 10 call three days in a row, I think what they will do is they will say, you know what? We can go back to normal operations, we don't need to staff a command center if uh, there's this little going on. So Nice to know that all the preparation we did paid off. I'm here to tell you those last two and a half weeks prior to this thing kicking off were brutal. Brutal. basically doing 70 hour weeks so long long days so but huzzah so that was good news and what else <clears throat> my lovely wife is on vacation now taking a trip to the great nation of Texas to go visit our maid of honor who if we were getting married now would be a matron of honor because she has married herself but back in 2000 she was not she was our maid of honor she lives down in San Antonio 
Because he's hopping a early flight to Austin. BWI, Baltimore Washington International. For those of you who don't know what BWI stands for, is a Southwest hub. So you can pretty much go anywhere Southwest flies from Baltimore. <clears throat> Which makes it fun to use the Baltimore airport if you're not flying Southwest because when I go down to Savannah in December, I'll go Delta. And because uh, I'm not a huge fan of the cattle car Southwest experience, but as cattle car airlines go, they're probably the best one. But uh, when I'm going park in the, the long term garage the shuttle with everybody else going to the airport and uh, the shuttle will stop at, at Terminal A and say Southwest and literally 90% of the bus will disembark and go into the terminal and uh, every so often it's actually humorous because you have this packed bus full of people Standing room only in the aisle. You're here at Terminal A, which is Southwest. There will be a Southwest. I think they might even have a stray Southwest gate at Terminal C, but A and B are the big ones. And of course, you know, 90 some odd percent of the bus will get off. And then the bus driver will look back at the three people still on the bus and go, where are you folks going? You know, and you'll hear Delta, JetBlue, you know, United. And then he'll just go and skip airlines. Well, no one's going to American. We need to stop it in American. Just go. Here you go, United Jet Blue, here you go. Delta, here you go. So of course it's it's a longer ride on the bus, but it's not bad. Security's a lot better at at the Delta Gate anyway. So if you're going through Baltimore, I highly advise you do not take Southwest. Because everybody is playing that. So, and you have to go through the security appointed to your flight. So, if you're flying southwest, you got to go through the security for gates A and B. Because that's where you're going through. And it's packed. Doesn't matter if you have uh, pre check. You have clear, you have, you know, any of those things that'll kind of chip away at some time. You're still going to be standing in line for a while. Because you and 95% of everyone flying out of Baltimore is going on one of those airlines. Whereas, you follow me to gate D, 
Well, really the only thing down at Gate D is Delta and Southwest is there. There's not Southwest, but um, uh, JetBlue's got two gates there, I think. And who else? It's some of the people, I think, who have like like one or two gates. I think United has like two gates. Frontier has a gate, you know? Well, that's the way that works. We're skipping the walk break because we're going downhill. We'll pick it up on the next walk break. So. But yeah, since there's much fewer people going through security, and I have pre-check for the next five years again, let's keep your belt and your shoes on. Show them my ID, take my suitcase, put it on the, the scanner, walk through the scanner myself, grab my bag, walk right to my gate. Don't have to be taking crap off and putting crap back on. So, it's nice. I'll get to see what. What's what in Savannah Hilton Head on my way back? Thankfully, I do not need to go through security in Atlanta. That's also, well, yeah, that's, that's the Baltimore Southwest experience. Only in Atlanta, everybody's flying Delta. So, that's their hub. That is their, that is the hub for them. You can go anywhere from that airport. So, but the Savannah Airport actually looks fancy. With this nice little frontage area with all their shops. And it's, uh, it's very, very pretty looking. So, I'm looking forward to seeing it. As I've mentioned before, I was thinking about renting a car, but there's really nothing that I'm going to do that actually requires me to, uh, you know, pay $70, $80 a day for a car. Um, so, I don't know if it's still running, but, because I guess it stopped for a while thanks to COVID, but there's actually an airport shuttle that the uh, Savannah bus company runs. So you basically hop on at the airport and it takes you to the bus station in downtown Savannah, which is literally, what, 12 blocks from where I'm staying. And I'm not going to be loaded down with luggage. So won't be a bad walk. Unless it's pouring rain. Then it'll be kind of miserable. But, fingers crossed, right? Keeping your hopes high. So, anyway. Yeah, if it doesn't pan out, then I will do a, a $35 Uber 
right to my hotel. And then from that point, I don't really need to do much because I'll get to my hotel pretty early. I'll get there probably around around noon. I can't check in until four. And so I'll just go and tell them. I know I'm here early, but can you just hang on to my luggage until four o'clock when I can actually check in? Which they will do. And then I'll just take a nice stroll around Savannah for four hours. Probably go down to Bay Street, which is by the Savannah River, <coughs> and uh, check out some shops. And another woolly bear. I've seen two woolly bears on this. Uh, this run and they've all been blonde so if you believe in the the folklore that comes with the color of the woolly bear easy winter for us this year of course it has more to do with the genetics of the woolly bear but I like the thought of an easy winter town on Friday and then um, I have a I forget the name of the building but it's downtown where the expo is so I can go and get my my stuff for the race and I've got the six o'clock trolley shuttle across the Talmadge bridge to the start It'll be an early morning for me on Saturday. But, again, it's about a five-block walk to where the trolleys are waiting. And uh, I hop on, and then I just do some waiting over on the other side until the race starts, which I think is 7.30. about an hour and a half to wait. That's fine. You can stretch out. If it's a nice day, obviously enjoy the weather and the scenery because early December in Savannah will definitely be warmer than up here. I'll, uh, I'll be more likely looking at a, a day in the 60s or 70s. And then a day in the 40s, which is what's common for us that time of year. So, all right, we're gonna ignore that, finish strong to the top of the hill. <clears throat> a few more steps. Telephone pole. All right, shut this off and. 
There we go. I'm going to continue letting my watch run as I head down, down, down the big hill. So, what have we got so far, though? 8.46K. That's what I've done today. Still hanging around the seven and a half minutes per K. So, not bad, not bad at all. Well, anyway. So, yep, so my lovely wife heads off to Texas for a quick two days. She's gonna go hang out with her friend in San Antonio, and then uh, she's going to drive up to Waco to go have breakfast at Magnolia Farms. Those of you who are HGTV fans know, probably know Magnolia Farms. It's the uh, Chip and whatever her name is, Gate Gaines, right? Chip and Joy, whatever. I don't know. I don't watch the show. I, I know about it through my wife. So, but anyway, she's she's a big fan, and she would wanted to go and eat at their restaurant. It's really the only reason she's going to Waco is to do that. So, and then she's going to spend the rest of the day in in Austin. Austin, if you don't know, is basically equidistant. That means the same distance either way, Salt. Eh? Um, between San Antonio. And Waco, it's basically about an hour, hour and a half uh, worth of driving either way. So, and there it is. She leaves on Tuesday early, and uh, she'll be down in uh, San Antonio Tuesday with her friend. And then Wednesday morning, she gets up, makes the drive up to Waco to have breakfast. I suppose see what else there is to see in Waco, uh, but pretty much it's just a go and check out Magnolia Farms, maybe get a trinket or two, and then hop in the car, come back to the hotel, dump that off, and then see what there is to see in, in Austin. Um, it's got a friend at work who uh, has a friend, so this is that friend of a friend story. Um, who lives in Austin and said, oh, you know, here's some great places to go and check out if you're in Austin. Here's some neighborhoods to make sure you don't go to, uh, which is also important. So, and apparently there is, there's lots of fun to be had in Austin, Texas. So, I'm going to do that. All right, stop my watch. So we've stopped our watch at 8.7K. Let's get our stuff here. So for 8.7K, what did I do? And of course, that includes walking. Now, this is saying I was actually at uh, zone 3, 3.1. But again, we already know it thinks that I did, you know, 155 heart rate, which I never did. But um, it's one hour of running, 8.7K, 7.42 per K. 
And again, that includes a walk up and a walk down. So, <clears throat> um, sounds good to me. So, anyway, you hear the leaf blowers going. Uh, we're just starting to get some color here. I saw a, uh, a leaf color map. I'm not sure what the actual name for it is, but <clears throat> that's what I'm calling it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my area is just starting. We're basically still green, but we're now that pastel green as the color fades. Um, and so we'll be, at, we'll be at our peak color in probably about three weeks. So end of the month. It's usually when it is for us. Um, I'm taking a look at some of my trees, my, uh, my Japanese maple. Uh, is not doing much yet. That'll turn bright red. Uh, so will our uh, Bradford pears. They will turn bright red. Um, I actually have a little bit of red starting to appear on those, but not a lot. Um, I've got a, uh, a large sumac tree next to our house that'll go um, bright yellow. A lot of things around here go bright yellow. Um, uh, I think it's really only the maple trees. And maybe another one that does that nice orange color. Uh, we don't have a lot of orange leaves where I live. It's basically you're getting you're getting a lot of yellow and uh, splashes of red um, here and there. So it's still pretty. So anyway, that's all I got. It's more than enough. Um, it'll be a longer podcast, but I haven't done one of these in a while. So enjoy. So until we speak again. Be well, be safe, catch you later.